Let's begin with a word of prayer this morning. Our Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to study your holy word. We pray for all the members of our church that are not here today. We pray that if they're sick, you would bring healing according to your will in their lives. And if they're not, we pray that you would impress upon them the necessity, the need for Bible study and worship on your holy day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us, open our hearts this morning, show us some wonderful things out of your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn to John chapter 1 this morning. The title of today's study is Christ's Work of Creation. Now this is similar to a study we had several weeks ago but it's not the same as I think you'll find when we get on down into the study. We're going to read John 1, 1 through 3 as our text today. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. There are two general aspects of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And these two aspects, properly understood, sum up the gospel. These two general aspects are the person of Christ and the work of Christ. So we usually speak of the person and work of Christ. Today I want us to focus on one of the works of this glorious person of Christ, his work of creation. The work of Jesus Christ as the creator is rarely, if ever, mentioned in today's preaching. Most often, if creation is mentioned at all, it is simply stated in a very general way that God created the world. But as we're going to see in this study this morning, Christ's creation of this universe is a most important fact that has many ramifications. In this study on the work Christ's work of creation, let's consider first the fact itself. Look at our text again. John begins his gospel with the dignity of Christ's person, as does Paul in the book of Hebrews. He does this by relating that Christ created all things. In the beginning was the Word. Or let me emphasize, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And of course, the Word here is God the Son, whom John 1.14 says, took flesh and became a man. Look at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Now what the Word is said to have done here is He created all things. Look at verse 3 again. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The creation was instantaneous. It was done at once by Christ's all-commanding will and word. Christ gave the word, and every creature came into being in an instant. Psalm 33.8 says, He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The work of every day of the six days came into being in a moment. It was done by a word being spoken. Think about that. Let there be light. And there was light. Christ also created the world out of nothing. Sometimes we use a $2 term for that, ex nihilo, uh, that's Latin, means out of nothing. Well, this statement in John 1, 3 is an absolute statement that Christ created all things. It was a universal creation that He worked. All things were made by Him. He created hell itself. You know, this week, Royce and I were in a meeting and a fellow said, Christ doesn't send anyone to hell. Christ created hell. And you know, at that final judgment, He's going to say to some, depart from Me into everlasting fire. Well, that was free, but I thought of it there. Christ created hell itself because He created all things. Wherever hell is, He created all things in heaven and in earth. Uh, it, also, it was also a particular creation that He worked because John says, and without Him was not anything made. And the, the literal Greek there is, without Him was not one thing made that was made. All creatures without exception owe their existence to Christ. There are three very serious errors abroad today concerning Christ's creation of all things. And it's important sometimes to know about these errors. First, there's the error of the Russellites or Jehovah's Witness cult. This, these people say that Christ was a creature Himself. He was a created being, though He was the first created being. The Jehovah's Witness book, The Good News of the Kingdom, says on page 6, quote, The chief one of God's creatures under Him is His Son, who came to earth and took the name Jesus, unquote. And these same people teach that Christ was actually the archangel Michael before his birth on earth. Well, our text says, however, that all things were made by him, and this being an absolute term, it could not be true if the Russellites are right and Christ is the first created being. All things were made by Him. He created all things. 
Thus he himself is not a creature or else he must have created himself. Another error concerning this matter is taught by uh, a way of thinking called Socinianism. And this is Unitarianism. That's a more modern term for it. And these people taught, there aren't very many of them left anymore, but they taught that Christ being referred to as the creator of all things actually means that Christ was God's instrument in creating the universe. But Christ created all things ex nihilo, or out of nothing. And an instrument uh, has got to have materials to work on. There were no materials to be worked on in creation. There was nothing for an instrument to operate on since creation was a production of all things out of nothing. And then a third error, and by the way, there are people who teach, still believe that Socinian error there. The third area uh, in this matter is also taught by, uh, or was originally taught by the Socinians. They taught that the creation by Christ spoken of in the scriptures, is simply the new creation or the spiritual creation. But this cannot be true because the scripture does not say that all things were made new. It only says that they were made. And this could not refer to the new creation because that would limit all things to the relatively small number of persons who are made new in a spiritual sense. All men have not been and never will be regenerated or made new. Not all men are created anew and not all have faith. And yet the scripture says all things were made by Christ. This teaching could not be true because the evil angels who were among the all things Christ created and who were once in heaven but kept not their first estate, never were and never will be created anew. This cannot be true because the good angels never sin and so they will never be created anew. They have no need to be created anew. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. But secondly, as we consider Christ's work of creation, uh, let's think about the fact that the scriptures clearly teach this fact. Genesis 1.1, the first verse in the Bible, at least hints that Christ is the creator. This hint is found in the fact that the Hebrew name given to God here is Elohim, and that's a plural word. In the beginning, God, Elohim, plural, created the heaven and the earth. And of course, this has reference to the Trinity in the Godhead. The fact that God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet these three persons are one God. In the beginning, God, including God the Son, Christ, 
created the heaven and the earth. Now several Old Testament scriptures speak of the creator uh, in the plural. For example, look at Ecclesiastes 12.1. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. Remember now thy creator, this word is plural in the original Hebrew, in the days of thy youth, hinting at the creatorship of Christ. Well, as we move to the New Testament, Colossians 1.16 is a key verse in this matter. Look at Colossians 1.16, and we'll refer to this several times this morning. Colossians 1.16. For by Him, the subject is Christ here, by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. All things means the earth and everything in it, the sea and everything in it, all the minerals and rocks in the ground, all the fish and plants in the sea, all things also includes heaven and everything in it. I pointed out in one of our previous studies that according to God's word, there are three heavens that the word of God speaks of. The heaven of the air, the heaven of the stars, and the heaven of the angels. Colossians 1.16, if you're still there, says that Christ created the heavens, plural, and all things that are in the heavens. He created the birds and the clouds in the first heaven, the air around the earth, that is the atmosphere. Christ created all things in the heaven of space. Now think about the vastness of this universe. I hope you have seen on Facebook some of the James Webb telescope pictures uh, of outer space. They're seeing things we never have seen before. Just who knows what all those things are. But God, Christ created all of them. Just take the sun. 864,000 miles in diameter. <clears throat> the earth is 125,000 miles in diameter. The sun according to some statistics I read, the sun could hold 1.3 million planet Earths inside of itself. It's that big. Christ made all things in the second heaven. The sun, the moon, the stars, the comets, and the many galaxies. Invisible things in heaven include the angels, who are spirits, incorporeal beings. Angels are the noblest and most powerful creatures, and Christ created them. Christ was not an angel. He created the angels. 
He made the angels to serve Him, according to Psalm 103 and verse 20. Let's look at that. It tells us Christ's purpose in creating the angels. Psalm 103, verse 20. Psalm 103, verse 20. <clears throat> Bless the Lord... Ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. They serve him. They obey him. Colossians 1.16 speaks of thrones and dominions and principalities and powers. And as we saw in a, a lesson not too long ago, these terms are often used in the scriptures to speak of the angels, the good angels and the bad angels. Examples of their use to refer to the good angels include Ephesians 1.21, which is speaking of where Christ went when he ascended into heaven. Turn to Ephesians 1.21. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. <clears throat> this speaks about where Christ went as well as the position of sovereignty that he has over these beings. Christ is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now turn the page over to Ephesians 3.10. This is speaking of the good angels. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Next look at Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. This has reference to the bad angels, the evil angels. For well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. One more, Romans 8, 38 and 39. Romans 8, 38 and 39. This speaks of the bad angels, the evil angels. A very familiar passage of Scripture. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, angels there are mentioned. Those are the good angels. Uh, and could include the bad as well. Now, these terms in Colossians 1.16 and elsewhere, thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, probably refer to the various ranks among the angels. Christ is said to have created all things that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. 
The invisible things of the earth include the souls of men, and Christ created them. Have you ever wondered where did the soul come from? Well, we're not given much, if any, information on it except that Christ created them because he created invisible things, all things. Well, another prominent New Testament passage that speaks of Christ's work of creation is Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 10. Turn to Hebrews 1. <clears throat> I'll read verses 1 and 2, and then a little farther down I'll read verse 10. <clears throat> Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Worlds here in verse 2 applies to the universe. It's a synonym for the all things in the same verse. And this passage states that the one in whom and through whom God has spoken in these last days is the one who created the universe. Now look at verse 10, right down the page there. Here, God the Son is addressed by God the Father. And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Paul here is quoting Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27, as speaking of Christ. So let's turn to that, Psalm 102, verse 25 through 27. Psalm 102, 25 27. Again, Paul is quoting in that verse we just read in Hebrews, he's quoting this passage as speaking of Christ. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Now, we may never have thought that this psalm applies to Christ had the Holy Spirit not told us here in Hebrews 1.10 that it does. And this verse in Hebrews 1 says, in the words of God the Father, that Christ laid the foundation of the world and that the heavens are the works of His hands. God the Father said it. Well, there's still other New Testament passages that speak of Christ's work of creation. Turn to Revelation 4.11. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. This is speaking of the worship of Christ by the 24 elders in heaven. And here's what they say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for or because Thou hast created all things, 
and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Ephesians 3, 9 says that God created all things by Jesus Christ. And the latter part of the verse says, God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, by Him here does not mean that God created all things by Christ as an instrument. Uh, this does not mean that the Father was the agent and the Son was the tool of creation like a saw in the hand of a carpenter. It means that Christ is the one who created. Creation is by Him. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, uh, well, let's turn to that. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says that uh, we are called by God. 1 Corinthians 1.9. And it's used in the same way in which uh, we, the other scripture here refers to it. This does not mean that God was the instrument of our calling or that Christ was the instrument. It means that God was the caller himself. It doesn't mean that God was the instrument of our calling. It means that he was the caller himself. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Nobody understands that to mean that God was the instrument. It means God was the caller. Look at 1 Corinthians 8, 6. It has a similar meaning. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. One Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Christ. This doesn't say that Christ is the instrument, it's, uh, he is, it says He is the agent of creation. John 1, 3 says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 16 says, All things were made by Him and for Him. So these statements mean that Christ actually created all things Himself. Well, that brings us finally in this study on Christ's work of creation to the matter of what this fact really means. The fact that Christ is the creator of all things means many things. I want to point out just six of them here. First of all, this fact means that Christ is God. And this is very probably the strongest proof there is of Christ's deity. When John 1, 3 says, All things were made by Him, it proves immediately all that is said in verses 1 and 2 of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. <coughs> now, the production of something out of nothing is presented in the Scriptures as the exclusive work of God. According to God's Word, only God can produce uh, things out of nothing. His creation of all things 
is clear proof of Christ's deity because only God can create. Now, here we talked a few weeks ago about syllogisms. I don't think they teach those anymore, but A is true, B is true, therefore C is true. That is a syllogism. Well, here's a syllogism. Only God can create. Christ created all things. Therefore, Christ is God. Now that's what we've seen this morning. Only God can create. Christ created all things. Therefore, Christ is God. Turn to Hebrews 3, 4. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 4. This scripture says that Christ is God because Christ built all things. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Remember the syllogism. Secondly, this fact means that Christ is eternal. Look again at Hebrews 1.10. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 10. And here the Father is speaking to the Son. God the Father is speaking to Christ. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. If Christ in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, then he must be without beginning and thus eternal. As the Creator, Christ was before all things. Thus, He is eternal. The Creator of all things must Himself be uncreated. Well, let me say this in the form of a syllogism, another syllogism. The Creator of all things must Himself be uncreated. Only the eternal God is uncreated. Christ created all things, therefore Christ is the eternal God. Is that biblical? It certainly is. Thirdly, this fact means that Christ is omnipotent, all-powerful. God is often called the Almighty God. That means He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God's Word credits the existence of all things to the creative power of Christ. In all these verses that we've considered, Christ is set before us as the Almighty One, the omnipotent Creator of all worlds. Here's another syllogism. Only one who is omnipotent can create. Christ created all things. Therefore, Christ is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's the Almighty God. This earth gives clear and amazing testimony to the power of the Creator. Just by looking at the creation, a person can see something of the power, knowledge, and wisdom of the Creator. All you have to do is open your eyes in the morning and you, you can see there must be a powerful, all-wise God. Now that's not 
human reasoning. That's what the Apostle Paul says by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans 1.20. So let's turn to that. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. <clears throat> For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, open your eyes in the morning and look at the mountains, look at the trees, look at the birds, and you ought to be able to see the eternal power and Godhead, uh, and the, the eternal power and wisdom of the Godhead. Uh, you, you ought to, anybody ought to, ought to know there's a God just by seeing the creation. The testimony of creation to its creator is so clear that only by willful unbelief can men reject Him. You have to willfully say there is no God. Those who deny that Christ is the Creator give evidence of minds darkened by sin and blinded by Satan. Since Christ is the all-powerful Creator of the universe, what is there that He cannot do? If you're unsaved here today, Christ saves the guilty, hell-deserving sinner by the same almighty power by which He created all things. And this all-powerful Creator can save you. No matter how wicked and how far you've gone in sin, Christ, the all-powerful Christ, can save you. Fourthly, this fact means that Christ is sovereign. Since Christ is the Creator of all things, he is the governor of all things. Christ sovereignly rules and reigns over this universe by right of His creatorship of all things. Fifth, this fact means that Christ is superior to the angels. We saw in Colossians 1.16 that Christ created all ranks of angels. Hebrews 1.7-10 through 10, shows that Christ's work of creation proves that He is superior to angels. Uh, this is Paul's point in this passage. Turn to Hebrews 1, 7 through 10. <coughs> Hebrews 1, 7 through 10. Christ is, His work of creation shows that He's superior to the angels. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works 
of thine hands. So his work of creation proves he's superior to the angels. Well, here's another syllogism. The creator is more excellent than his creatures. The angels are Christ's creatures. Therefore, Christ is more excellent than the angels. That's Bible. Biblical reasoning. As their creator, Christ is superior to angels. Finally, number six. This fact means that we should worship Christ. Worship, it's, it's difficult to, to uh, define worship many times and get everything in it that needs to be there. But partially at least, worship is adoration paid to God because He is God. We adore Him because He is God. Matthew 4.10 says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. The Lord says here that worship belongs only to God. If it can be shown in the Scriptures that Christ is the Creator, then Christ is to be worshipped. Because Christ is the Creator, equal honor is claimed for Him as for the Father. John 5.23 says that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. This honor involves worship. Christ is the Creator of all things. Let us worship Him. Let us adore Him. Because He is God. Well, in conclusion, it's essential to recognize that He who is our Creator is also our Redeemer. In Colossians 1.16, that we've read several times, Paul is writing about the same person whom he writes about in the 14th verse, and that is Christ the Redeemer. Look at verse 14 of Colossians 1. We've read verse 16 several times, but look at verse 14 uh, in the context just before verse 16. In whom, Christ, we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now look at Hebrews 2.16. Hebrews 2.16 says of this same Creator that He took not on Him the nature of angels but the nature of man so that He could save us. For verily He took not on Him the nature of angels but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. Look back at verse 9 there. Verse 9 says that Christ was made a little lower than the angels so he could die for sin and redeem his people. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So he that made all things is our Savior from sin. We are saved by the one who made us. Think of He who is the great creator of heaven's glory. 
became our Savior. To whom should we go for salvation? To our Creator, who is also our Redeemer. We must go to the Redeemer as His own creatures. So if you're here today without Christ, would you come to the Creator as your Redeemer today? Let us pray. Our Father, we're thankful for Christ, the Creator, as well as the Redeemer. We're grateful for the revelation of Him that you've made to us in your Holy Word. We pray today if there be some lost soul here that your Holy Spirit would convict him or her of sin and show, reveal Christ to them. We pray that you'd bless all the worship today, the preaching this morning and the preaching this afternoon. And we ask these things in Christ Jesus' holy name and for his sake. Amen.